Welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge. I'm your host, Edward Russell, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jay Shabit. This week, I spoke to North Atlantic President Charles Duncan about the airline's prospects a year after launch. Jay and I are going to discuss a little bit about that conversation before we kick off the interview. Jay, what'd you think? Yeah, great interview, Ned, and I'm sure uh, you'll agree, our listeners. So North Atlantic is um, doing transatlantic flights, uh, and they started, um, when did they start up, Ned? Was this a bit, June 2022, uh, so they're they're just over a year old. So they're just, uh, yeah, young and, and getting started, and as you'll hear in the interview, it sounds like uh, this summer is uh, is is performing rather well for them. They're doing rather rather well, making money this summer. So good start. Um, is it tough? You know, it's a tough business model. They're going to have to uh, ultimately make money in more than just the summer. And as uh, you know, as he explains in the interview, they're they're really focused on uh, you know mitigating wintertime losses, which is. You know, going to be there. Right. Well, I, I believe the line was uh, it was they spend nine months out of the year planning for winter. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Great line. So, uh, yeah, it's a good time to be running an airline across the Atlantic right now. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll we'll see if they're able to translate that into full year profits. Absolutely. You know, what what really struck me is is Charles is is very optimistic about the prospects for North Atlantic, of course. That's his job to be optimistic, but he also has as a realistic tint. You know, like like Jay said, they're they're making money this summer, and the goal is break even in the second half of 2023. We'll be watching close here at Airline Weekly to see if they do that. But uh, he's he's definitely bringing some seasonal prowess to their network. You're going to see North Atlantic fly a lot more uh, Europe to you know, warm weather destinations this winter than they did last year. They just announced uh, Paris and Berlin to Miami. And this is uh, on, on Tuesday. So you know, it's, it's interesting. We'll be watching them. But like Jay said, it's a it's a tough business. And you know, the cards are stacked against them. We'll see how they do. And, uh, you know, it's going to be be fun to watch. Anyway, yeah, Jay, thank you. Sure. And listeners, you know, here's the interview. Hello. Today I'm joined by Charles Duncan, the president of North Atlantic Airways. Uh, he's got a storied career in the airline industry, formerly of WestJet, United, and Continental. Charles, how are you doing today? Hey, Ned, I'm doing great and uh, really fun to be on the show with you today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's quite the pleasure. You know, we've been watching Norse for for a while here at Airline Weekly. Um, I know that you know the comparisons to Norwegian Air's international operation well. Um, we can debate whether or not the Norse is that at a later point, but uh, we're not here to talk about that too much today. Um, Norse celebrated its one year anniversary in June. You've been flying. Uh, how I, I know that you you haven't been there for that full year, but but how are things right. going? How was that that first year? Well, things are going great, uh, and it's funny. I'm actually wearing a polo shirt. Uh, I know your your uh, the listeners can't see, I but can, we we, we made this the first anniversary, confirm. you know. So I'm actually wearing, uh, and this is something that we did. And, and actually, the sleeves I have Rolls Royce and Boeing logos, and uh, this is a, a partnership with uh, you know two of our most important uh, OEM partners, uh, and we we actually got them out to the thousand odd employees at Norris uh, all over the system. And it's something that I mean, it, like many things I've done at Norris, I actually kind of ripped off this idea from. Continental, my Continental days, where we had T-shirts that were sponsored by Boeing, and really kind of built a lot of pride with the workforce around just having some logo gear and being able to show off at home and around town uh, who they work for. And uh, so we did. We had a big celebration. And uh, what's been great about June, uh, you know, the company took a year to get formed, and then a first year of flying. 
So now we're sort of entering that third year, if you think about it, from the very beginning of, of its uh, formative stage. Um, we're making money today, uh, and, and we did in June, um, and uh, our CFO would probably not be happy with me saying that. And there's some accounting adjustments and IFRS rules around uh, lease accounting and so forth. But um, we're making money, and 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 so uh, there's a real positivity and a spring in our team's step um, as a result of that. And uh, it's just just a really good time at at, at Norse. And and you know the other piece, I'm happy we can maybe even pivot to that at some point. But uh, I've actually turned at least half of my mind to the winter, or even more of that, because you know the summer will be over soon, and uh, and and you know our ops teams are really busy and challenged and focused on executing the summer operation. But we know the cold winter is not that far away. Absolutely. And I want to get into winter in a few minutes because that Happy is definitely yeah. a big part of, of the transatlantic. But let's stick with summer at the moment. You've you've mm-hmm. launched a number of new routes. Los Angeles, yeah. San Francisco have come on from London. Rome, New York has come online. You know, uh, you described recently big, thick routes are flying this summer. Yeah. How's it going? How's summer looking? You said I'm mean, uh, making money, so hopefully well. Yeah, but <laughs> it, it is it is really going fantastic. Um, and uh, look, I mean, I think that there is just a tremendous amount of demand uh, for, for the North Atlantic. There was last year, but last year the the U.S. rules for uh, uh, for testing came off, I think, in, in mid-June. I forget the exact date, but it did have some impact on demand. So it's the first year without restrictions both ways. Uh, flights are full. Um, demand is strong. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we're, we're doing really well. I mean, you know, so I think, uh, you know, financial results are there. And, and I mean, for us, it, it's really about uh, we've gone from flying – more or less in that first year, a two or three airplane schedule to now a nine airplane schedule with a spare uh, held back. So that's, a, you know, that that, that tripling of, of activity um, has definitely um, required a lot of effort for our team. You know, our, our um, ops control center in Norway, our uh, largest, largest station in Gatwick, just everything from check-in queues to, you know, catering numbers to, uh, Standby crew. I mean, all of these, all of these sorts of things are, are being put to the test, and uh, and the team are succeeding uh, with flying colors. In fact, uh, um, for June we had 100% completion, and uh, through wow. July as well. Uh, you know, so so touch. I'm, I'm knocking on some real wood here uh, as, as I speak, but um, we're we're completing our flights. We're performing well. Load factors. Our our, our June load factor was at 83%. July will be. Okay. Um, six points, five points higher. So we probably won't quite hit ninety, but I mean, you know, high eighties. Um, we Which are. Is, I've fact, got to say, it's very important for a low cost carrier. You know, high load factors filling your planes is. It is. It, oh, absolutely. I, we've got to be. In fact, uh, our, our premium cabin load factors are higher than our economy uh, load factor by, by a point or so. So we're filling the premium cabin. Um, and the other piece that you know that kind of really frustrates me. You mentioned a bit of my uh, my career. My first job was as a revenue management analyst at Continental Airlines. And, and I learned there the importance of overbooking. And uh, of course, it was paper tickets. We had high no-show rates in those days. Um, we are overbooking our flights, but far too modestly. And, and the revenue management team is sick of hearing me talk about that. But I, I think we could actually hit a 90% load factor if we were a bit more assertive and aggressive and overbooking. But to be honest, our teams aren't quite ready. Our systems aren't quite robust. And so we're taking, you know, intentionally uh, a more conservative approach. But these are all just, you know, uh, part and parcel with being a startup and getting our systems in place and learning to sort of crawl, walk, run, if you will. But the summer is great. I, you know, I, I think it's been uh, really inspiring, really encouraging. Um, our crew are busy. They're working a lot of hours uh because a lot of them have been sitting around asking us for the last year when are we going to start flying you know i I signed on and i want work 
and uh, and so it's been frustrating for a lot of our people that they haven't had we haven't had enough flying for them and and uh, of course we had to train hire train do the recruitment and all of that months in advance of the flying and now that we have the flying here it's uh it, it's gratifying you know <laughs> and I've, I've told the team you know hey I mean, you know just but you know be careful what you wish for because I mean, we are just so busy right uh, um but, no, but it's a good yeah it's, it's good yeah. problems definitely to be flying like that and and you really i it's you know impressive to see how you've you've turned london into such a big base for north atlantic I mean, right now you've got, is it five aircraft are based in London? Five of the well, nine or? Five, five and, and the spare. So we actually, and, and oh, part okay. of this, we have we have two um, AO, AOCs, two certificates, and uh, six of the 10 aircraft are on the UK uh, certificate, if you will. And uh, and in fact, we needed the spare. Uh, we got a little bit of media coverage over the weekend. We had a, a lightning strike on one of the aircraft uh, going to Los Angeles, had to do an air return. And we used the spare, you know, and then had to get a fresh crew and whatnot. And this is where you know, it's, it, it put the team to the test. And uh, our CEO was really happy, uh, you know, then the whole team was that we were able to complete the flight and not ruin that perfect record here of, uh, on completion in the summer. But uh, but that was why we kept the spare. And it was actually for once we had the spare in the right place. <laughs> Usually it's never where you want it. Right. You, know, you, you have it on paper. But uh, but in, in this instance, it actually was where we needed it. And we had excess crew who were willing to volunteer and come in and complete the flight uh, on behalf of our guests. That's, I mean, that's good. I, we, we've all had the horror stories where we're sitting in some outstation and airlines like, well, we can get a spare in here, but it's got to fly in from the hub. Wherever. And right. you know, like, how long are we going to sit here? But no, mm-hmm. the, that works out well. So I have to ask, you may said you're making money uh, June, July. Is are we looking at third quarter profitability at Norse, your first profitable quarter or? Yes, uh, full, full yeah. stop. No, I mean, with, without a doubt, um, we will be profitable in the third quarter. Um, you know, I mentioned, um, you know, ripping off some of uh, my learnings from Continental. And one of the things that um, we did as well, back to Gordon Bethune and Greg Brenneman and the, and the go forward plan. And I know, you know, how well, you know, uh, how closely you follow the industry, but we have what we call the North Star, which is effectively the go forward plan. And it's, it's in the same okay. four categories of a financial plan, a marketing plan, an ops plan and a people plan. Um, and we share it with all 1,000 employees. We want everyone to know where we're going this year in exactly the same way we did at Continental. And uh, the very first bullet point there in the financial plan um, is for the second half of this year, um, July 1 to December 31, that we want to break even and just make a buck. You know, And so as part of that... Um, Q3 has to be profitable and it will be. And then, you know, and, and uh, again, we, we can talk about winter in more detail, but if we could break even or just you know, certainly have losses in Q4 that are um, less than what we make in Q3, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll call that a success for this year. Absolutely. I mean, they, they always joke if you can't turn money, make a profit over the North Atlantic during the summer, uh, you probably aren't doing something, you're probably doing something wrong. So I would I would uh, I would hope that the Q3 profits are, are quite large. But of course, the question will be, I mean, on everyone's mind is what demand is going to look like in the fourth quarter, because we don't necessarily know what's going to happen uh, across the board uh, after Labor Day. But absolutely. Uh, yes. Yeah, so so yeah. far, uh, you know, the, the trends for us in September look really good. Um October is, uh, and, and we don't have a whole lot of data to rely on, but you know it, it is soft. But you sort of expect that seasonally, and then we're beginning to see um, some booking growth, uh, you know, for November and, and especially December. You know, it's looking good. But uh, but anyway, I, you know, we can yeah, we can talk about that as good, well. Good. Yeah. Well, um, we want to take a quick break, and then let's talk about that winter quarter and, and what you guys are doing there. Okay. And we're back. 
I'm speaking today with my guest Charles Duncan, president of North Atlantic, and uh, let's let's dive into the winner. You know, that's always been the challenge across the North Atlantic for for really any airline based in the Nordic uh, part of the, the northern part of the yeah. atmosphere is turning a profit in the winter. Uh, we've seen airlines struggle with it. You know, Norwegian Air has it lost money now. You know, they're flexing play Iceland Air. What is your strategy? What is Norse's strategy to to get through the winter? Maybe not turn a big profit, but at least get through the winter. Yeah, well, well listen, then for us, uh, I mean, just breaking even the winter would be, um, well, you know, I, I'll call it success. And certainly if we can make a few bucks um, and be in the black, so much the better. Um, the first thing that we're doing is we, we, we've reoriented our network. And, and in winter one, um, we couldn't fly a full uh, a full network and the full fleet. We didn't have traffic rights set up. There was a lot of complexity that uh, that. Um, sort of uh, hamstrung us, but we were doing way too much what I call cold to cold flying. And the best examples of this are Berlin JFK and Oslo JFK. So we're not going to be flying those markets this winter. And instead, we're going to be uh, pivoting and shifting the network uh, to warmer destinations uh, where people in colder climates want to go. Um, uh, and so that'll mean a lot more Florida. Uh, and in fact, um, I think as we record this, and as, as your listeners are, you know, hear this, it, it, it will have been released, but um, we're announcing today even additional flights into Miami, um, you know, from Europe. So from, you know, Paris, Miami, uh, as well as uh, Berlin to Miami. And, you know, a few months ago, we announced a shift from Fort Lauderdale to Miami, which is part of what you mentioned right. in the first segment around just bigger, thicker markets. We want to be in primary airports uh, with name recognition, you know, and so forth. So we're going to really build up Miami, uh, but not only Miami, Orlando, um, I think of Los Angeles, uh, and we've already announced uh, service from Gatwick to uh, Barbados and Jamaica for this winter. And, you know, these are, you know, big, thick markets, we think that, you know, you have a traditional tour operator, uh, you know, type of package tour uh, presence, but also VFR, uh, you know, to Barbados and Jamaica, visiting friends and relatives. So, you know, uh, there are lots of Jamaicans who live in the UK, or Jamaicans with family in the UK and, you know, travel back and forth. And so we think the low cost uh, model and what we bring, uh, it can really work and be attractive, uh, you know, for, for that market, you know, as well. So, and we also have announced, and actually our strongest booked uh, market, I think this winter is, is uh, Bangkok to Oslo, um, you know, so, so we're doing that. In fact, we're going to be adding a, a third weekly frequency in that market. It's a two right now in the winter, a third weekly for the peak periods at Christmas and Easter and so forth. So um, so a big part of the winter strategy is less cold to cold. And to be honest, I, you know, I, I, um, I learned this when I was in Canada, where when you look at the Canadian airline network, certainly WestJet is this way, or Canada as well. Um, the networks are very east-west. Uh, there in the summer, and then pivot very largely to be north south. Do the same sort of thing in, in the uh, in the winter months, and so we want to you know fly where people want to go, and and then in the winter they want to go to a warmer place. So, so it's uh, you know uh, yeah a work in progress for us, um, but uh, you know exciting and and uh, we, like I said, I mean you know I, I'm spending a ton of time on it. In fact, when I uh, met our CEO and founder. Um, oh gosh, about nine months ago now or so about uh, the possibility of joining Norris. I told him that, um, you know, again, exactly as you said, it's easy to make money in the summer in the North Atlantic. You can lose it all in the winter. And the way I'd sort of uh, put it to my team is we should be spending nine months out of 12 thinking about and planning the winter operation and business, you know, because again, the summer will sort of solve itself, uh, but the winter is where, where we're going to make or break the business model. So we're, we're, we're big subscribers to that school of thought. 
And that's, I mean, that's great. That's what what we we hope to see from airlines is pivot based on the seasonal demand and traffic that you've got. Um, and and last year, I mean, <laughs> we were all we, we had some bets going whether North was going to make it through the winter because there was some sort of last minute right. schedule changes to cut some of those cold to cold routes and just reduce right. flying, lease out some aircraft to to other operators to bring in revenue. Sure. Uh, but it sounds like this winter schedule, like you said, it really hits on those those markets that people want to fly to in the winter. I was just as pulling up some DO data and you've got, you know, Montego Bay, Kingston, you mentioned Barbados, Impre- Bangkok oppressively is going up. So that's, um, yep. yeah, that, that sounds much more attuned to the, to the winter market. Yeah. And, and look, not everything we fly is going to be, uh, is going to be right or a success. And I think, I, you know, I think to, um, oh gosh, a Jude Bricker or Tom Doxey talked about this in their route planning, you know, decisions. So not everything we, we, we select is going to be a winner necessarily, but, uh, this is sort of, you know, at least the, the logic we're, we're pointing towards. And, 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 uh, we, we've had really good success, um, in South Florida, uh, Port Lauderdale, and even we think it'd be better in Miami. Orlando is doing really well out of Gatwick. Um, and it's interesting there too, where when you look at European origin markets, the UK is biggest to Orlando. The other markets go to Miami and South Florida more. And we've been engaging with cruise lines as well about uh, generating, uh, both winter demand from Europe to, to South Florida, but then also in the summer months, you know, back the other way, Americans going to Europe to Barcelona and Rome and so forth. Uh, our markets we're thinking about for, uh, for, for next, next summer, you know, and, and even, you know, cr- uh, cruise ships from Oslo. And it, there's been some interesting, uh, shifts, uh, in ports of call as, as Russia has closed. So, so anyway, I just, the, the cruise business is an interesting one. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, just lots of possibility for it. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it, especially tying in with that tourism angle in a lot of those markets, like, of course, you're going to have the VFR traffic to, to Jamaica right. and Barbados from the UK. But tying in with crews or destinations and stuff could really probably add a nice layer of business on top of that VFR market and those, you know, to those winter routes, especially if you're looking to, to fill your planes. Well, that's right. I mean, like, you know, our anchor, our, our thickest route, our trunk route is JFK to uh, to London. Of course, we'll serve that year round. But when you look at who's on that airplane, it's leisure travelers, it's people making connections on both ends. Um, it is business travelers as well, but they're business travelers who actually who are not on an expense account, who are paying their own way, um, and who find great value in what we offer. And so, uh, you know, in, in a Jamaica, in a Barbados, we think they can perform. I mean, you know, yes, it's tropical, but sort of in a similar way. You know, just just various types of uh, of, of demographics and and passenger types and and you know, purpose of journey, you know, and, and so forth. And and uh, that's exciting for us. And, you know, and you mentioned, um, you know, and again, I just joined kind of midwinter last year, but uh, you mentioned charter flights and things as well. And, and you know, we certainly we have done quite a bit of charter activity and uh, and we do get requests, you know, even now uh, from time to time. And so we are out. I mean, ultimately, we don't really care what if we can make a buck, especially in the winter, we'll go do it. So, you know, and, and we, we do if anyone listening you know, to this, you know, it has, it has a need for a 787 in the winter months, we'll be happy to entertain that, you know, and then. Um, and we did do, gosh, I think about roughly 25, maybe 30 individual charter flights this past winter on behalf of other carriers, you know, and, and they have an AOG event, they have an issue, you know, they call us and our crew, we're happy to step in and perform that. And those can be profitable uh, opportunities for us. So, so we're, um, in addition to kind of the regular passenger business, we do look at charter and then cargo, the other really interesting thing. And that's part of the Miami move. And Oslo is just unbelievable for cargo. Um, the other salmon oh, wow. exports coming to the States. In fact, uh, our, our CEO was on the airplane yesterday uh, uh, from Oslo to JFK. And we were 
at the maximum takeoff weight uh, because we had, I think, 35 tons of salmon on that aircraft. Um, you know, so it was just, just unbelievable. Uh, you know, the cargo business across the Atlantic, um, it, you know, it, it's one of the differentiators for the wide body for us. And then it helps make some markets, uh, you know, look better, you know, drive better financial results. So, so, uh, so anyway, all, all three of these are important, but the passenger business is certainly is, is front and center. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, yes, and, and all of it, like you said, every revenue stream is possible. Something you mentioned actually interests me. You mentioned connections on both end of, uh, of yep. New York, London. I'm sure your routes, you know, Norse yep. doesn't fly, does not fly, you don't fly narrow bodies. So you don't actually offer any connections on either end of that route. So where are these, yep. are these people doing self-connections? Are you guys inter- doing inner lines with other airlines, looking at code shares? What, how how yep. are these connections happening? And are you looking to, to build that business? Yeah, so uh, there are a number of self connections, and I just know anecdotally when I'm on the airplane talking to uh, to people who are going to come into the counter, and um, we have customers who are checking showing up at the counter five, six, seven hours early, you know. So I'll go and talk to them, you know, and we're not even open yet, you know, hey, where are you coming in from, and you know, they're they're self connecting and whatnot. Um, so so that is happening. Um, we don't do, and we don't intend at this point to have any any formal interlines. We we are trying to keep. Um, to hew to the model, single fleet type, you know, no connections, no code shares, interlines, you know, just just keep it a, a, a super simple model, high utilization, low cost, and all of that. But um, one area that has been really cool um, is we were um, partnering with a company called Duhop, and they're based in Iceland, yes. uh, and and they do what I'll call virtual interlines. And what what they do is essentially take um, with the carrier's blessings two separate tickets, effectively self connecting, but then they. Um, they present it as a combined itinerary, but then provide travel insurance for the connection. And uh, 0.7% of the connections they sell break, and then they buy a ticket on another carrier, you know, and get you home, you know, or, you know, whatever it is, I mean, same carrier or others. And uh, so that um, has worked really well. I would say it's mid single digits in terms of the percentage of our, of our volume is coming through, you know? And so when you think that's, about it, that's like not in, insignificant. I mean, it's, it, is, it sounds oh, small, it but it's it not is, insignificant. It is welcome. Uh, it is very, very welcome business for us. And so when you think about EasyJet, for example, in London Gatwick, I mean, they have, I don't you know how many, you know, a, a few hundred departures a day. And so even in the usual sort of hub spoke model, they can stitch together with us really good, compelling connections. And, uh, uh, and, and Duhop facilitates that, uh, you know, for us. And, and it's, um, so EasyJet's our, our largest partner in this sense, but we we even uh, have gotten uh, uh, oh gosh, I'm trying, like you know Thai Vietjet, you know, is, is is driving connections in Bangkok through the same system, wow. Duop. So 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 we are getting what I'll call you know self connecting or virtual interlines or whatever you want to call it. But the beauty for us is it comes at, at the same yield, no higher cost. The passenger does have to kind of claim and recheck the bag. Um, but uh, but they have the assurance they'll make the connection, and if, if uh, for whatever reason the first flight's late and they miss the second flight, they will get to their to their destination. Which I think is probably the biggest thing people worry about, honestly. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I had the joy of misconnecting with my family going through Europe last summer. Um, on a, on a not self connecting, but it's uh it's sure. a pain even then. <laughs> it's nice to have some assurance to make sure that it is that that's gear covered. So. Before we wrap up, I do want to ask about growth opportunities. Uh, Norse yeah. has uh, 5787s coming back to them next year. Um, I know we're still looking at winter and they've still got many months yeah. ahead, but uh, what kind of are we are we looking at more growth next summer, 2024 with those extra planes or, or what's, uh, yes. what's the thought process well, around that at this point? Well, full stop. Yes, there's more growth coming. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's for funny. It's 50% growth. And as you say, now that now, um, three of those airplanes are dash eight. So, you know, it's a little bit less than 50% when you factor in, uh, you know, the, the, the seat density difference. 
But, um, you know, our team, we're, we're literally reviewing our summer performance right now. And, and, and the plan is to have all five of those airplanes available to us for next summer. So um, they're leased out to another operator now. We're working through the lease return dates and so forth. So we'll have access to them for, for um, uh, you know, pre-summer and into the into the height of summer. And so um, we're reviewing everything. I mean, you know, all opportunities. I mean, we'll, we'll you'll, you'll probably see some, I, I, even in my own mind, don't know what we'll be doing. We haven't made any decisions, but uh, expect some announcements, you know, late, late fall, uh, because, you know, one okay. of our, uh, one of our lessons has been too that, uh, and we've been working at this and then you kind of alluded to, uh, you know, last fall's performance where we want to announce markets for sale as far in advance as possible. And so we have markets right now. We do have some of what we're calling our no-brainers, our summer 2024 schedules already on sale in some markets. So JFK Gatwick, you can book right now for next summer uh, because we know we're going to be there and we're generating some business. And so we've got more markets to uh, review, but everything we're flying this summer has been so strong. We'll certainly be repeating. Uh, you know, I, I can't imagine making any changes with the exception of the Fort Lauderdale to Miami move and, you know, things like that. And then, Right. Um, you know, uh, yeah, and and we're engaging in discussions with airports and some of the some of the flying. I think will be connecting existing dots, and then we'll probably have you know we don't want to get spread too thin, but I can't imagine you know adding well, I don't know at least a couple more uh, you know destinations there just to help uh, deploy the whole the whole fleet of fifteen, and then we'll quickly turn our minds to how do we actually profitably or to break even level fly the winter right because as, as, right. as a theme right. not concerned about the summer uh, opportunities but but you know we, we certainly need to be mindful of, of the challenges of uh, 15 airplanes in the winter months and then and, and how to how to at least break even with those no definitely then that that will be the challenge for you next year i'm sure as, as you get closer to that but we look forward to seeing what norse is going to do we'll look forward to to watching your performance this year hopefully you achieve that break even in the second half and seeing what comes uh, comes next year from Norse. That's great. Hey, thank you so much, Ned. Really enjoyed this. Charles, pleasure. And listeners, feel free to check out airlineweekly.com, and we'll, we'll link to Charles' info there. And uh, thanks again. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. Check out airlineweekly.com for a new issue every Monday and updates on the latest airline news throughout the week.